We have all seen the reports from Ukraine. Women and children, hiding in underground car parks, to protect themselves from the bombs. Ordinary, untrained citizens, encouraged to take up the fight. A humanitarian crisis, of yet unknown proportions. But what can you and I do? We can pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Many of them, are now facing a bleak and dangerous future. Since 2016, the churches in Ukraine, have held an annual day of prayer. Even during Covid, they met and gathered to seek God. And days before the invasion, church leaders gathered together, desperately seeking God's intervention. Scripture says, does it mean God no longer loves us, if we have trouble, calamity, or threatened with death? No. Despite all these things, victory is ours through Christ. Now it is our turn, to intercede. Will you join us, in praying for Ukraine? Our fight is not against people on earth, but against the rulers and authorities. And the power of this world's darkness. Against the spiritual powers of evil, in the heavenly world. Thank you for praying. Now, please join David for today's word. It's quite interesting because it's something that I love to talk about. I'm actually talking about the second coming of Christ. And uh, it may surprise you to know that before I came full-time into evangelism, I was actually studying and speaking on the second coming. And my father was quite an expert on this. So really, I'm turning back the years, <laughs> but there is a reason why I'm talking to you in this particular way. And I'm actually looking at uh, back into First Thessalonians and then Second Thessalonians. Now, the first thing that I want to say is this, that the kingdom of God, which Jesus was always talking about, and I've made the comment to you previously that Jesus spent more time actually talking about the coming kingdom than he did about salvation. Salvation was the way in, but the main thing he was talking about was that kingdom. And I want you to realize that the, the Bible actually describes it as our inheritance. In other words, we inherit a kingdom with Christ. And the interesting, most of that is explained in one of my books, um, the book on Ephesians, um, your inheritance, power through your inheritance. Now, that book really, in fact, you should read it because it does explain the inheritance side of the kingdom. But when I was studying this, I, I was reminded of uh, three particular parables that Jesus used describing the kingdom. Um, the first, obviously, we're very familiar with. It's the story of the five wise and the five foolish virgins. Um, and it is a wedding, and it is the marriage of the bride of Christ, and, of course, it's the return of Christ. So, in that sense, the kingdom is described in a different way as being with Christ in that kingdom. Then the next one, and I find this quite intriguing, is because Jesus speaks uh, in this parable of a vineyard. 
And the owner of the vineyard wants, uh, <laughs> wants the profits. Well, I, I'm assuming that he wants the rent. He wants part of it or he wants the profits from this vineyard. And so he sends his servants, and you know the story, the servants are beaten and thrown out. And then he decides finally to send his son, thinking that they would respect his son, but they didn't, they killed him. And that is literally, Jesus was that son. But the thing that intrigues me, people talk a lot about that aspect of it, but in my thinking and praying over this, I'm sensing the vineyard. In other words, this is a picture of the kingdom, that there is, there is a vineyard, there is something practical, there is a kingdom, there is something that Jesus, that God owns, and that we are to be part of it. Then, of course, the other illustration that Jesus uses as of the master who goes away into a far country and leaves talents with his servants. And you know uh, how some multiplied their talents and uh, one with ten, because he was profitable, the Lord said, be ruler over ten cities. But the one who buried the talent what he had was taken away from him and given to the others. And so all of this is, in some way, Jesus is trying to describe something that is mysterious, something that is partly unknown, but it is a kingdom that we are to be part of. And the scripture is very clear that uh, Jesus said his kingdom is not of this world. It's true. And we are looking for this coming kingdom. Now, let me come on to the next part of this, which leads me to 1 Thessalonians 4. Because here um, is a clear indication of what happens when we die. Now, Growing up, I always understood that there were two schools of thought, probably still are, so maybe I'm going to be a little bit controversial. Uh, what happens when a Christian dies? Now, a lot of people believe, and I'm not going to say they're, I'm not going to condemn them, but a lot of people believe that when you die, you go to heaven. But I don't find that is exactly what Paul says. Because here he says in verse um, 13, this is 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Uh-huh. That you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Verse 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, those also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say to you, not by the word, sorry, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive 
and remain unto the coming of the Lord will not prevent. Now, that word in the authorized means we don't go before them. So uh, we are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord will not go in front of those which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ rise first. Now, it's quite clear to me that the dead in Christ must be sleeping. They are not in the presence of God, the presence of Jesus. Otherwise, he would simply, simply say he would bring them with him. He says, no, that the dead in Christ rise first, then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds. So we shall ever be with the Lord. So the sense is, the graves are opened, the dead are the first, and then immediately afterwards, those of us who are still living are caught up. So we are together with those loved ones as we go into the kingdom. Do you want the fire of God? That Pentecost experience will only come for one purpose, that you might glorify the name of Jesus. Prophetic Vision Magazine is the teaching ministry of David Hathaway. Request your free copy and let God show you the path to revival in your life and your nation. Visit eurovision.org.uk forward slash contact. Thank you for listening to the Power of Faith broadcast with David Hathaway. We would love to hear from you. Contact us by visiting eurovision.org.uk. Also available online are many free teaching resources to help you on your walk with God. David has written many faith-building books to encourage and inspire. Order these online today. Each month, David ministers online and in person. Our ministry is only possible because of the faithful support of so many people. For details on our evangelism and humanitarian relief work, visit eurovision.org.uk. Thank you again for listening.